You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode number 97. This episode is going to cover my number one tip for the holiday. This is the last episode before we do um, Christmas holidays, and so we won't be back until the new year, uh, until January 6th, and so I wanted to leave uh, some people with the number one tip that I have for post-concussion syndrome patients for the holiday. I know that a lot of the people that follow these pages are dealing with persistent concussion symptoms. And so if I can implore you to do one thing over the next few weeks until I return, it is this. It has the most scientific evidence to support its use, more so than any medication that you can take, any rehab that you can do. It improves virtually all aspects of the brain that are affected from concussion, and it also facilitates all of the other processes that you need for healing, like brain healing modulators, brain-derived neurotropic factors, and others. If you want to get better, you'll do this. If you don't want to get better, you will find an excuse to do it. And I'm talking about any guesses from our live people on Instagram. Sorry for those of you on YouTube. You're going to get the answer right now. The answer is exercise. If you haven't been convinced by any of the previous episodes that I have done on exercise and its ability to significantly improve post-concussion symptoms, then uh, let me share some science with you and hopefully this will bring you around to this idea. So let's talk about what happens with concussion. Concussion results in a metabolic injury. It causes a deficit in cerebral metabolism. Uh, It's how your brain processes and creates energy. It affects how the mitochondria function, which is how the mitochondria take oxygen and create energy from that with some other processes. And so your mitochondria is super, super important to your metabolic health. Um, Dysregulation of the autonomic nervous system happens with concussion. Your sympathetic and parasympathetic systems get all out of whack. A lot of people will say that they feel anxious, jittery, they can't sleep at night, they're not digesting their food, they're getting gastrointestinal upset. That's because your sympathetic nervous system goes crazy and you're in this heightened sympathetic state, but you have a low parasympathetic activity. And so your autonomic nervous system is dysregulated. What this results in is changes in how your brain uh, has blood flow to it. So it changes... Um, different mechanisms within the brain that control blood flow. Now, your brain wants blood flow to be a nice constant level. After concussion, you're not getting that. And so that affects it. This can cause any number of symptoms from headaches to dizziness to lightheadedness to mental fogginess to neural fatigue and all the other symptoms that go along with concussion, cognitive dysfunctions. This can cause anxiety, mood disorders, sleep disruptions. Uh, Inflammation also happens after concussion. So all of these things happen from a physiologic, pathophysiologic mechanism around concussion. Someone over here says, LOL, I was expecting something magical. That is magical. 
exercise is magical, especially when it comes to concussion, because exercise, you guessed it, fixes every single one of those things. Like I said, if you want to get better, you will do it. If you don't want to get better, you will probably find some sort of excuse as to why you can't do it. And after this episode, you will have zero excuse because I'm going to tell you exactly how you can go about doing this. Exercise improves cerebral blood flow, improves the function of the mitochondria and the metabolism of the cells in your brain. It improves concussion symptoms. It improves cognitive function. It improves your memory, your concentration, your executive function, all the other cognitive functions that are always disrupted in concussion exercise improves this exercise improves sleep as you go throughout the day your body builds up uh the um this 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 compound called adenosine adenosine is broken down from your energy your atp level so as you burn energy you get a buildup of adenosine adenosine is what drives your sleep it drives your sleep debt what makes you want to sleep so exercising helps you to sleep if you're not sleeping well Try exercising more during the day because that might help. It improves your mood, it reduces anxiety, and it also reduces systemic inflammation in the body. So exercise does all of that, and it's free. You just got to go and do it, okay? When I say exercise, though, people get afraid, especially with PCS. But guess what? It is safe. It is safe for those with post-concussion syndrome. Sometimes, yes, you will get a spike in symptoms, but even during things like the Buffalo treadmill test, that only has been shown to last for a few hours. So don't be super afraid of doing the Buffalo treadmill test. Buffalo treadmill test is a walking test. It's extremely safe. And then the exercise level that we give you is below whatever threshold you have. So that is also safe. Oftentimes when I say treadmill test, I'll have my patient completely ghost me on the next visit because they don't want to get on the treadmill. All right. It's a walking test. It's super easy, but it's super, super important. So exercise is safe for those with persistent concussion symptoms, meaning symptoms lasting longer than uh, three to four weeks, even up to six years. Doesn't matter. It's been shown to be safe. And building on that, we've also recently discovered that it is also safe in the very acute stages for patients, even within the first week after concussion. Those that start exercising earlier do better than those that don't. And we have actual RCT evidence, randomized control trials recently to show this. They bring in a group of patients with concussion. They put them on the treadmill. They all fail it. So they have obviously exercise intolerance going on. Now, what they did is they separated the groups in half. Half of them were told to just do this stretching protocol. So they thought they were doing something. The other group was told to do subsymptom threshold cardiovascular exercise. And guess who got better? And the group that was doing exercise, even within the first week after their concussion, got better faster than the group that was not exercising. So not only is it safe in the very acute stages, right after your injury, within a couple days after injury, it actually speeds the recovery from concussion. Those that exercise in the early stages after injury are more likely to get better, are less likely to have persistent symptoms to begin with. Those that already have persistent symptoms, if you start exercising, you're more likely to recover. So it is the best thing. If I can convince any one of you to do anything, it's that. So here we go. Here's a question because I'm going to bring this up. So somebody asked a question here on the live. And she says, I'm guessing it's a she, 
uh, but I'm not sure. Um, it's been 11 months post-concussion for me. I still struggle sometimes with doing too much working out and then having symptoms the next morning. There's a reason for that, and it's just because you're doing things a little bit wrong. But I'll, I'll, I'll clear that up for you, okay? So that's a common one. I'm going to talk about some other common ones we get. So it's right here, actually. So if there's one thing I can get you to start doing, it is exercising every single day, but you need to do it in the right way. The exercise should be steady state cardiovascular based exercise. It could be walking, it could be jogging, it could be cycling, it could be anything. But the starting point should be to keep your heart rate at a consistent level, which is elevated from your resting level. You can't just, you know, I don't know, walk at a super slow pace where you're exercising. You have to, you have to increase your heart rate a little bit. The common complaints that we get are, symptoms increasing during activity. So you're afraid to do the activity because the symptoms go up during activity. You're, you have symptoms afterwards, like shortly afterwards, meaning like, you know, within a couple hours, you start having symptoms after the exercise. Or like this person over here says, it's been 11 months and they get symptoms the next day or even some days after, okay? So those are the three common complaints. Now, why does this happen and what does it mean and how can you get around it? All right, so no matter what happens, any one of those scenarios, let's pick the first two for now. You get, you get symptoms during and you get symptoms after, okay? So let's start there. That just means that you've gone over your threshold. So the way that this exercise protocol works is it's called sub-symptom threshold exercise. So whatever your threshold is for symptoms, generally it happens during. So this is the most common one. You're exercising and you're starting to get more of a headache. You're starting to feel dizzy. Ooh, okay, time to stop. So symptoms during. That point at which your symptoms increase is your threshold. So generally what we do when we're, on, we're doing a treadmill test is we gradually increase your heart rate. So we're watching your heart rate. That's what we're monitoring. And then you say, I'm starting to, my headache's starting to pound. I'm starting to feel a little bit dizzy, starting to feel a little bit off. Okay, good. That's your threshold. Let's stop there. What's your heart rate? Oh, my heart rate is, you know, 150 beats. Okay. What we do then is we take a percentage of that because I don't want you exercising at 150 every day because you're just going to your threshold. I want you exercising below your threshold. So if your threshold, let's say, is 150 beats, I want you exercising maybe at 130 or maybe 125. All right. Generally, it's 80 to 90% of whatever your threshold is. So wherever you get symptoms, that's your threshold. Take 80 to 90% of that, and that's where you start your exercise. And it's not weights, because when you go and do a set of weights and then stop, you're getting fluctuations in your heart rate, and that's going to affect how your brain can take on that blood. You need steady state to start. Once, you, once you've mastered steady state and you can get the full physical exertion with no symptoms, go nuts with the weights. But until you can do that, it's steady state all the way. Consistent heart rate the entire time. So you elevate it to 125, 130, whatever the number ends up being, and you stay there for 20 to 30 minutes, and then that's it. Okay? So that's number one. Number two is patients um, will have symptoms afterwards. They'll fee feel fine during. They'll be able to do the whole treadmill test. They'll pass it. They'll get all the way up to max physical exertion. Let's say they get up to a heart rate of 100 or, uh, you know, 190 or 200 beats per minute. They hit their max heart rate threshold. You go, all right, okay, cool. No, no increase in symptoms. That means that you've passed. Then they'll call my clinic two hours later and be like, oh, I really feel not good now. 
my headache is increased, my dizziness is increased, etc., etc. All that means is that that is now considered a fail. So I thought that they passed the treadmill test because they were able to get to their full physical exertion with no increase in symptoms, but their symptoms came on afterwards. So if they got, I just take the highest heart rate that they achieved and I consider that to be their threshold. So they got to 190. All right, their threshold is 190. Let's take 80% of that, have them exercise for a week, and then I bring them back in the next week and then I retest them. Where can I get to now? And does it have that same residual effect? Usually, if they've already gotten that high and they've maxed out on it, there's no issue. The third thing that happens is exactly like this person over here who says that after they exercise, they get symptoms the next day. So that could mean a couple things. One, there could be some issues going on with like adrenals and things like that. There could be some hormonal issues going on. Um, there could be like just this delayed effect could be due to that. It also could just mean that you hit your threshold. So there's a couple things that I look at here. One, if you're kind of doing too much and pushing too much, sometimes people will hit that wall. That could be something to do with the HPA axis, which is kind of your adrenal um, and, and hypothalamus and pituitary axis. Um, and so if you're hitting that wall the next day, there could be something going on there where you're spiking some hormones and that's kind of having a delayed reaction effect. The other thing that it could be, which is typically where I start, is that you just hit your threshold the day before. And so next time you try it, you're just going to knock it down a bit. So if you, let's say if you're following your, your exercise, um, you're looking at your heart rate, you're going out and you're exercising and the next day you have symptoms. What was your heart rate the previous day? What were you working at? If you were working at 130, maybe 130 is your threshold. You're not getting symptoms during, but you're getting symptoms delayed after. So now what you do is, okay, I'm going to try 120, see what that does. Okay, I'm still getting symptoms after. Okay, now I'm going to knock it down. I'm going to do uh, 110. 110, no symptoms. It's boring as hell. I'm not actually pushing myself. I don't feel like I'm doing anything, but I'm not getting symptoms the next day. That's where you start, okay? So you have to kind of pick, you have to find that area that's below your threshold, start there, even though it might be painfully slow, and you do that for a week. And then after a week at 110, try 115. Hey, 115 is fine. Cool. The next day, if one of those is fine, if 115 is fine, the next day go to 120. And if that's fine, next day go to 125. Just go up by five beats until you hit that point. You get back to 130. Ooh, 130 is too much. I feel it the next day. Okay, I'm just going to knock myself down to 125. I'm going to do 125 for a week. Then I'm going to reattempt 130. Oh, 130 is okay. Okay, cool. Now I'm going to bump up to 135. Oh, now I'm feeling it there. Okay, back down to 130. So you're just doing this little dance where you're taking two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back based on how you feel. Okay. Ideally, you would go get a treadmill test because then they could look and find out what your actual heart rate threshold is and also check into some of these other issues that I was talking about. So you have a few options. Number one, find yourself a complete concussion management clinic or somebody who knows what they're doing that can kind of run you through all this stuff and figure out what your threshold is. Because if you're getting symptoms during, after, or even the next day, it means that you're not doing it the right way. So you just need somebody to teach you how to do it the right way. Secondly, 
You can check out Concussion Fix Program. I know not everybody has a complete concussion management clinic in their area. So we created an online program for those that don't have access to it so that we can actually walk you through all this stuff. We walk you through the diet. We walk you through how to exercise. We walk you through how to do the protocols, things to look for like dysautonomia and all of these other things that I was talking about earlier. Okay. So that's an option too. Concussion Fix. You can go to concussiondoc.io, which is my website concussiondoc.io and you'll see the program there. So that's something you can do if you don't have access to a clinic in your area. Number three, like I said, you can just start walking, pick a really slow pace and then gradually monitor your heart rate on your first walk, keep a steady state and then do whatever after that, kind of go up and down from that. Not the best, uh, may take a while, but it eventually will, will work. Okay. Um, all right. So to summarize everything, the number one thing that I can convince you to do hands down the best medicine for concussion. And actually if more people did this right off the hop and weren't told to rest and do nothing, we probably wouldn't have as many patients dealing with PCS as we do. So the best thing you can do, start exercising. You, there are ways to do this properly. I just gave you basically the Cole's notes of how to do this. There's more resources you can find, complete concussion management, concussion fix, other concussion clinics, or just simply start walking as a last resort. It's free, it's easy, and it's actually safe. And not only safe, it's effective for your treatment. So now you have no excuses. And if you think you have excuses, you're only lying to yourself. So I can't help you anymore after that. And I threw in a secret number two tip here. Uh, everyone's going to hate me for this one, but it is to stay away from the sweets over Christmas. I know Christmas is the time for pies and cakes and cookies and candy canes and everything else, but refined sugars like desserts, chocolates, candy canes, whatever, refined sugars... Uh, are pro-inflammatory and they cause kind of this excitatory reaction in the brain. So you already have this hyper excitable brain that's sensitive to light, noise, and everything else. Feeding it sugar just increases or basically decreases the threshold for excitation. So less stimuli provokes things and gets things going. So stay away from anything refined sugars. Obviously it sucks, right? So stick to things like uh, you know, good proteins, good fats, and maybe complex carbohydrates like sweet potatoes and things like that. It's tough to do, but I promise you that your recovery will thank you for it because over the holidays, you're not going to feel like crap coming into the new year. You might actually get a nice jump on 2021. So that's it for me. I saw a couple questions, so I will answer those live on Instagram. For those of you watching on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to our channel, like this page, invite your friends, all of that good stuff. Um, I want to wish all of you guys that listen to us either live or, or on YouTube or on our podcast, um, a safe and happy holiday season. I want to thank all of you for sticking with and joining me, uh, on most Wednesdays throughout this crazy 2021 or 2020 year this has been. So here's to a much better 2021. I will be returning live on January 6th on Instagram. The video and uh, podcast audio episodes will be out the week of January 13th on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. So that's it for me on YouTube. Again, subscribe, like, comment, ask me questions, whatever you want, all that good stuff. I'm going to shut it down now for YouTube.
and I'm going to answer some questions here. Not too many though, because I have other things I got to get to, but since it's my last episode, I'll stick around for a little bit. All right. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.